0: Welcome to Docile Tones, episode 245 <laughs> of the Spot of Me podcast. This is your host, Kali Adams. I joined this week and every week, my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow, the man who does not go to the Houston Rockets because he's chilling with the Knicks in the summer league. Then he's going to the Rucker. Then he's going to the Crenshaw Mafia. And then he's going to go to two other places. It is uh, Cicero Holmes. How are you doing? Sir?
1: Uh, yeah, you talk about the Rucker. Uh, you know who was at the Rucker? Uncle Drew. And last week... I was not Uncle Drew, but I was Uncle Cicero. And uh I was I was shaking and baking my niece and nephews. Uh but uh yo, um <laughs> we you know, we was doing that. We didn't go see Uncle Drew because they had all seen it already. Uh we went to see Hotel Transylvania Three. Ooh. I liked it. It was pretty cool. Uh and I heard that was good. Was, was, it? was it was it super dope? Yeah, it was, wow. it was it was it was it was dumb funny. It was really it was really dumb. And it was really funny. I don't like it the idea. It was kind of funny too.
2: I don't like the idea of them like outside of the hotel on like a boat or whatever. Uh, uh yeah, it worked. Not a fan. It worked. I didn't see it though. I didn't yeah, see it. it
1: worked. Okay, definitely. Um cool. And uh, yeah, and then my uh, one of my nephews and I went to go see Ant Man and the Wasp in 3D uh, IMAX. 3D, huh? Yeah, IMAX 3D. Yo, 3D is the definitive way to see Ant Man in the world. Really? The definitive way. I haven't seen a 3D movie in a long time. Absolutely. But but, I haven't done that either. Yeah, yo, it was dope. It was definitely worth going to see it in 3D. But all that to say, Stubby Stan is broke, but apparently Uncle Cicero is a baller. Uh, Because he. he,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Money bad.
1: <laughs> Uncle, <laughs> Uncle, Uncle Cicero bawled out uh, while he was watching his niece and nephews, uh, and now Stubby Stan is broke as a joke. Uh, Scree- Scrooge, yeah, Mick, Scrooge Mick Scrooge uh, Cicero. Yo, literally, literally, last week I was eating. We went to Tapanyaki place, like a Benihana or whatever. I was eating sushi and tapanyaki and and this week I'm eating Top Ramen. So. <laughs> it's okay oh my god you someone
0: who is not eating top ramen is my man my mellow the smooth kind of fellow the man who makes science look good the man who makes math look good the man who makes tutoring look good the man who makes looking good looking good it is Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com MC Dulcet
2: Tones
0: what up Sharif?
2: Good 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 man um, last time I had a lot of ramen um, when I used to run track in high school I don't know why we thought that this was like the right thing to do, but we would like, you know, run <laughs> five miles and then, you know, and we'd lift weights and we'd have like two hours of like practice. And then after practice, we would go to like the school, like, you know, snack place and just eat mm-hmm. one of those like really cheap, like ramen things. And like the white, you know, like the white bowl that you put in the microwave and put yeah. like a water in it and stuff. And we did that every day. Like I, I just don't, I don't understand why we did that. This is super weird. Yeah. Super yo, you weird. needed,
1: you needed the salt replenished. In your I feel body like it like destroyed my running. whole
2: workout, like doing that. And like I would sometimes have like that's a thing of M and M's or something. Though, right? <laughs> it was like, it was like uh perfect post-workout food. You know what I mean? Ugh. So yeah. I feel,
0: I feel like that's like how they just preserved mummies. It was just like ramen dust. It was like, <laughs> you know, I, I, like,
2: I I got to check the uh the uh Assassin's Creed Origins discovery mode and like see if they go over that. that <laughs> uh, just like, like just just a bunch of like people getting wrapped in ramen like ramen noodles. <laughs> Could be. Oh my god. <laughs> mummy be.
1: mummy shrimp flavor? That's right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right.
3: uh,
0: that is so terrible. Anyway, i'm super excited thank you everybody for coming through uh and hanging out with us this week and every week we had a fantastic show last week uh with emma from uh, game workers unite a lot of folks uh, on the twitters and on the facebooks really loved the episode and really appreciated the conversation that we had so thank you to her and to everyone who was rocking with us uh, and listening to that show and sharing out the good word Um, Some good stuff that happened We got put into one of the top 10 lists of gaming podcasts You should listen to on the Daily Dot That's pretty dope Dope. Uh, So shout out to those folks for giving us some love over there Um, And again, we have some fun stuff And wait around to the end of the episode Because we have an announcement An announcement is about to happen We're going to decree some things And say a couple of other stuff too up
2: in there Uh, All put their heads off,
0: oh shit word? that's a decree <laughs> just, that's, oh. that, that's, that's
2: how you decree things okay?
0: okay Reef just came
2: through with the fucking yeah. spawn on me red wedding off with their okay, hands Jesus. or like lend me your ears those are decrees I, okay? I just
0: want cake you just killing people right. like I, <laughs> you know. I feel like most decrees involve killing, or killing people. people it's just how it is damn so we see we see what happens when Reef gets power really. <laughs> None of this like benevolent shit. Reef is just like, yo, we gotta kill people. All right, fine. (laughs) God, jeez. We have a fantastic show this week because we have a dope, dope, dope guest. Someone that we have been trying to get on the show for a very long time. If you have been paying attention to podcasting and gaming discussions and uh, the diversity discussion, you would know that one of the first crews to put out the conversation about diversity uh, were these lovely, these lovely women who. Um, have been doing their have been doing that stuff for a very long time, and it's just now that we've been able to snag them. We have Samantha Blackman from Not Your Mama's Gamer, Gamer, <laughs> chilling with us this evening. Samantha, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am so happy that you are here. Let me tell you and thank you first, because I think like there was literally just you and your crew. And I think we kind of snuck in right in after y'all <laughs> in, in terms of the conversation about uh, about diversity in this space. So we owe a lot to all of the work that you have all done yep. and Not Your Mama's Gamer. And, and we really want to give you all massive amount of love and massive amount of props for start, starting and sparking that conversation and, and being at the forefront of it and, and continuing to put out fantastic work for, for all these dope years. Um, So first, thank you for all that. And again, thank you for coming and rocking with us tonight. So uh, we're super happy to have you.
4: Well, thanks for having me and thanks for joining the struggle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Super, super, super dope. Um, So I want to get into a little bit of where not your mama's gamer started from where you got into the into the mix and and how everything kind of came to be if you want to give the folks at home listening here on twitch and at home and podcast land a little bit of background on on yourself
4: a little bit of background on myself wow um so i'm an i'm an academic by training but i always call myself an anti-academic um i'm an anti-academic um but uh in terms of where not your mama's gamer came from um a lot of years ago I've been listening to podcasts forever but I was all whenever I was listening to podcasts I was like okay so where's my voice right so as mm-hmm. you know as a woman of color right where where is the discussion that talks about games from a different perspective um so I would just kind of sit back and complain about it at first Um uh, <laughs> was like I don't see this I don't see this yeah. um uh, and then uh Having a conversation with uh, one of my grad students, she was like, "Well, why don't you do a podcast?" And I was like, well, "Why don't you do a
3: podcast?" <laughs> uh,
4: <laughs> like that sounds like a whole lot of work. Uh, so uh, I I was talking to her and I said, "Well, I'll make you a deal. I'll I'll think about doing a podcast if you sit down and plan this with me." Uh, and you know, so you know, thinking at that point, she was gonna be like, "No, that's okay." Uh, and she's she said, "All right, let's do this." Uh, so we spent, you know five, six months planning it out, thinking about what it would look like. Um, thinking about like frequency, thinking about what we wanted to talk about, who our audience was going to be, all these different things. Right. Um, and then, yeah, we kind of kicked it off in the January of that following year. Um, and we've been going strong ever since. It's been almost eight years now. Ooh, um, wow.
0: <laughs> that's so dope. That's uh,
4: so yeah, it's Ooh. been, its it's been, a it's been a wild ride. Yeah. Um, you know, eight years ago, I don't, I don't know that I thought we would still be going at this
3: point. <laughs> but we're, yeah. I mean,
4: we are, we're still, we're still going, we're still going strong, we're still growing, right? right? Right. Um, and that's that's been uh that's been pretty interesting.
2: Wow. So so eight years ago, do you remember some of the big topics you guys were talking about in 2010?
4: Oh, gosh. In 20... No. Um, (laughs) Uh, You know, in 2010, I mean, seriously, because there were no... There weren't podcasts that were talking about, like, women... The representation right. of women well, in games. There weren't pro- right. podcasts talking about, you know, being a, a, a woman playing games. There weren't right. podcasts talking about, you know, being black or being a person of color or right. being queer or any of those things in games or in games themselves in terms of representation or being a person in that game space doing these things. Um, in, 20, in
1: 2010, there were in no, 2010. Women, no women in podcasts no there candy. weren't there were none there, yeah. you would not listen yeah. to a podcast and hear a a feminine voice
4: well right. i mean if you if you did on any rare occasion in like 2010 or 2011 even right. i mean it was like somebody mm. visiting somebody's podcast right. and yep. you know they were they were never hosts they were you know never regulars um so yeah it was it was it was pretty interesting as a space it was pretty interesting as a space so it was like th- we see this hole let's 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 fill it with you know content we want to see in this space.
1: What have yeah. what have been some of of the the great successes and and some of the uh the great challenges that you've seen uh for the podcast um over the last 8 years?
4: Um great successes and great challenges. I think it's probably some of the the more interesting things for us um, have been the ways that we see because um, like I said I, you know by trade I'm an academic right? right um but not everybody on not everybody on staff like even at the podcast or on the on the blog that not everybody's an academic you know we got people who coming from it coming at it from different angles I think uh, probably one of the greatest successes is bringing together a bunch of different voices right. Mm um because like I always say like i said i'm I'm an anti-academic by trade because you know I'm not into uh, just speaking from an ivory tower to others in an ivory tower because um, I, mm. I see no import in that um mm. so then you
1: just use import um <laughs> you talk about not being an ivory tower I'm just playing
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay okay you got me uh so um but you know it's so it's been an interesting uh, it's been an interesting ride for us to see how like Not Your Mama's Gamer can kind of navigate that space between you know the academic sphere sphere and like the games community because a lot of times there's overlap in those spaces especially when we start talking about um, people being in the games, critics, being, people being game scholars, I mean, there should be, right. Because all right. too often academics do stuff like they talk about people and not talk to people or with mm-hmm. people. Um, mm. and that's, that's been one of my biggest things is to make sure, I mean, cause I'm a gamer first. Um, right. and, and, you know, like I said, I've been doing this eight years. I'm an academic by trade, but I'm also a middle-aged black woman. Right. I mean, I've been, <laughs> I've been playing games for 40 years. In fact, you know, now 42 years. Mm -hmm. Um,
3: Mm -hmm.
4: So, you know, I'm a gamer first. So, (laughs) you know, to to, to, to navigate that space and bring all those things together has always been super important for me.
0: One of the things I love about kind of the space that we occupy now is and I'm happy I'm happy you talked a little bit about your age, because I feel like our our space now has gotten to a place where we see a kind of varying degree of of ages and demographics and and people being kind of spoken to and spoken for Mm -hmm. um do you feel like because I I feel like we get the chance to kind of speak to an older audience yeah which has been really nice Do, do you feel like uh your crew has been able to kind of bridge those gaps as well as kind of you know speak to folks who are who are of our own age group but also kind of put out stuff and and still be relevant to folks who may be younger than us as well
4: yeah, I mean, I I think definitely right, um, and then I not only do I think that we're able to to speak to kind of a multi generational crowd, but I think that we're able to do something that is super important, and that is to make sure that folks know that you know gaming is not just for kids, right? It's like oh, gaming mm. that's that's a kids thing, right? Uh, but just thinking about representation. So for me, representation is about making myself seen. Um, as a woman, as a person of color, and as a person of a certain age, right? So all the different facets of who I am um, are really important to me when we start talking about uh, making myself visible. Um, And I think that being able to um, have that multi-generational conversation um, about games also gives us an inroads to having a multi-generational conversation about Um, about society, about culture, about politics, about a lot of other stuff that usually we don't have those conversations about.
2: Yeah. As, as a, um, you know, as an academic, um, when you first started, did you think about trying to do sort of the show and the podcast, like sort of officially, you know, like associated with, you know, with the, with the, with the university that you were at? um like like has there been any tension between you know the academic side of what you do and sort Mm -hmm. of and the podcast
4: there uh yes and no so yes there's always been kind of tension between um, I mean, come on, it's games work, right? Especially when I started, <laughs> you yeah, know, games work, especially when I started doing games work, um, uh, from, from an academic standpoint, that's been almost 20 years ago. Right. Um, right. and people were looking at me funny. was like, but that's, that's not, that's not scholarship. That's not academic. Right. Um, right. Mm-hmm. and I was, I was having a conversation with someone about this the other night is that, that I think what was different for me as an academic coming into this space is that before I, um. Before I became an academic, right in terms of working at a university, I was a public school teacher in the city of Detroit, um, and I went back to grad school and became and and got my PhD. Um, so for me, it was not so much. I didn't feel like I had so much to lose cuz I don't want to say I had a fallback career but if they decided that they didn't want me because of the work that I was doing and decided to fire my black ass I could go I could go get another job. <laughs> right. Right.
3: Right.
4: Um so you know so I had a I had a I had a security blanket of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um so that was always super important to me. Um so but yeah there was always some question about, you know, the uh, the The academic nature of the work that I was doing um now the question of what did I ever want to connect it to the university um no because uh i am the i'm the the child of a black activist
3: <laughs> of the
4: sixties <laughs> and seventies and i didn't and I wanted to keep my work my own um right. mm-hmm. so I always made sure that my work was not. Uh, was not officially connected to the university. I never used university uh, hardware. I never stored my stuff on university servers because if you work at a university or an academic of any sort, you know that once you do that, everything you produce in that space with those things belongs to the university.
2: Right. Um, Hmm. So
4: I always had my own hosting. I always had my own hardware.
2: Yeah, and the the, uh, sad thing is that thing that you said about 20 years ago, people kind of looking at you saying that it's not scholarship. Yeah. Um, I taught a uh, a game class as an adjunct this last semester, and the main professor, um, a, like assistant professor that, like, I taught it said she goes through the same thing, like, in 2018. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, having to, you know, like, not justify it to her superiors, because obviously, you know, they hired her for it. But when she's at networking events or she's, you know, at – education conferences or like that kind of stuff that she still finds herself you know people saying like uh what what are you doing with games like uh, how can that be an actual thing so unfortunately you know it's 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 still there yeah the struggle
1: is the struggle is there it's still there (laughs) struggle is real now is that is that a, a generational thing is that something that you find that that Uh, People that are your age uh, and, you know, and you're probably a little bit ahead of the curve, but, you know, maybe um, younger professors or or, uh, younger academics as you as you run into them uh, that, you know, maybe perhaps in their late 20s and 30s and and mid to late 30s, they get Do they understand uh, the academic nature, the scholarship that is gaming.
4: I would like to say yes but no. Um <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> I would like to say yes but no. um, if they're uh, in games they tend to um but uh younger folks who are coming into game studies now are still running like 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 we've just said are still running into these issues i mean and they're running into these issues with their colleagues right colleagues of the same right. age mm. um that are like but but that's not scholarship right that's right. that's not that's not rigorous enough right because they don't right. understand what we do they all think that you know what we do is is sitting around well we do sit around playing games got to play games but right. we read games differently right we read them as text they don't understand that um, and they don't mm. understand that there's an entire body of scholarship, you know, that's been going for for more than two decades at this point um, yeah. that surrounds games.
1: It's, it's just it's so perplexing to me because, you know, uh, video games and uh, interactive entertainment as a medium is just the evolution of of art. You know, of popular art. I mean, yeah. you know, there was there was scholarship for for paintings and paintings and sculptures and what have you. No one would balk at someone who is a film, uh, you know, a film history uh, professor, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you know, people easily can understand the, the scholarship and 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 the the amount of detail that can that can be gleaned from from watching film and studying cinema. Uh, why would you then look at, at this interactive entertainment, this medium that you've enjoyed for your entire life, the same way you've enjoyed movies, the same way you've enjoyed books and, 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 uh, and art, uh, or uh, sculptures and classic art, classical art, uh, why would you look at video games any differently? It, it, it's just asinine.
3: Yeah.
0: That's you it, know, we're done. <laughs> That's Lisa it, we're done. what's what's the what's the hardest part to kind of convey to folks when you do have that discussion is it just the they don't get is it is it just a connection to the idea that it's for kids or is it something that they just haven't figured out the value of yet and don't know how to don't know how to convey that and connect that part to the the ability to kind of talk about it and teach about it from an academic standpoint
4: I think it's, I think it is both that, you know, the, the feeling that, you know, games are for kids one, um, two, and not having an understanding of the medium, not understanding that, Mm. um, games have the ability to convey, um, some real viewpoints, um, and, and give us the opportunity to engage, um, on a number of different issues, um, but i think it's also that it's it's an elitist thing right and the same folk in the same way that you get folks who talk about you know the difference between um say teaching i don't know comics or graphic novels mm. um and teaching mm. high literature right so you know right. was like that's that's not real scholarship because you know that's you know something for the dirty unwashed mas- masses um I, that's that's a, <laughs> i think that's a huge part of
3: it
0: Please stop talking about them Skyrim people like that. <laughs> they <laughs> the they, they, they just trying vets. to live. They, they just trying to live their lives. <laughs> just trying to get their meat on. Um, a quick question I have for you is a little bit outside of the realm of the academic space, but you, you know, starting from that place and now. You know, being eight years in, in the, into the podcasting game, mm-hmm. you've now had to become a, a, a part of entertainment itself. You, you've become an entertainer in some way, in some fashion, because you're doing that for the audience that you've built. It, what has that kind of transition been uh, in g- getting into that space now and being like, you know, I'm I'm doing I'm doing my academic work, I'm doing my podcasting stuff, but now I have to like entertain the people when I when I get on and, <laughs> and, and rock out.
4: Um, it's been, it's been, it's been fun, right? I think that's, that's, and I think that's probably another reason folks are a little tentative about, you know, games in academia, right? Because apparently doing scholarship, being an academic is not supposed to be fun, um
3: right
4: (laughs) (laughs) but you know i'm sorry if it's not fun i don't want to do it i mean i i have have worked too Mm -hmm. long and too hard to be you know to to continue to do work that is not enjoyable to me um Um, i love games like i said i've been paying i've been playing games for 42 years i don't intend to ever stop right i mean i look at my mm. mother who is older I'm not gonna say her age because she would kill me um yes. but-, <laughs> Facts. <laughs> Facts. but she started I'm gonna say a little bit right she started gaming in her 70s wow. to play wow. to play games with my daughter.
3: Awesome. Dope, um huh.
4: so they get together and they get out their little DS's and they're they're playing games or they playing games on the switch and they I mean and this is not just a thing when she's like visiting I mean she will like call me up and be like I bought this new game um,
0: dope. Wow. <laughs> so dope. you know that's so it's
4: important for me for this whole thing to be enjoyable because you know it's work that I dedicate a lot of my time and a lot of my life to um mm. And, but I also see it as being important work, right? Um, because there are conversations that need to be had. And this is a space for me, not only as an academic, but also as an activist to have these kinds of conversations. Um, so, you know, I, I, I see it as putting in work, but it's also putting in work that's fun. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, I mean, at some point it might, I don't know, it might not be fun anymore. Right. You know, the, the podcasting, (laughs) um, you know, the podcasting, the blogging, the writing about games, the streaming, I don't know if that's going to be not fun at some point, but right now I'm having a blast.
2: That's what's up. I dig that. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that that's excellent. And, and like the, the not fun part, I know that, you know, we've had some crazy, Happenings over the last years with like Gamergate stuff and sort of other things that, you yeah. know, other like, not that that was the first time that harassment has ever happened by any means, but like it kind of put it onto another level in yeah. terms of the mainstream conversation. So being in this space for eight years and you know kind of seeing that much of like the ebbs and flows of the uh, of the conversations of uh, diversity and inclusion. Um where, where 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 do you think that the gaming community is at now? Do you think that they're at a better place than they were kind of when you first started kind of like doing this? Or like do you think that it's kind of around the same or like a little worse? That's a good question.
4: Um, I think it's I don't know that it's a better or worse place, but I think it's a different place. Okay. Mm. Um so uh
2: expertly th- done, by the way. That's, that's an expert
4: <laughs> <answer. All right. laughs> I think. Oh uh, yeah, know that's see, that, that's that that's that whole PhD rhetoric <laughs> thing.
2: I can I can switch it up on you.
4: Um <laughs> But uh is it, it's you know, at a, it's we're at a place now where you know, eight years ago or ten years ago, we had a very specific kind of reaction to the work that we do. When we started talking about, when we started talking about like race and we started talking about feminism and we started to talk about queerness in games and people were like, don't bring that shit in my games. Um, uh, Now, Mm. you know, eight years later, we still got people like, don't bring that shit in my games. But now um, I think the problem is, is that the folks, the voices that are, that are there and, and speaking out against the work that we do are more organized um Mm -hmm. and have been given more power than they've a, a different kind of power let me say that right because if we talk about like the power in terms of gamergate and and um and a lot of those earlier conversations even um is that a lot of it was kind of um veiled or explicit you know physical threats, right? And th- those mm. are real. Mm. Those are real. Those are and right. not to be made light of. And but that existed before games right. and gamergate. That's been women right. in the tech industry for right. decades. Decades.
1: Right. 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 right?
4: right. Um so, I mean, but now we have these different kinds of conversations and I and I s- swear before all of this, holy, I get pissed off whenever I see um folks giving more power to these voices than needs to be given, right? When we have, um, and and I'm not talking about, I'm not even talking about recent happenings, but happenings longitudinally, right? Where uh, game companies have these knee jerk reactions and start firing people based on, uh, and start firing people based on some of these conversations that are being had, right? Um, and, and in effect, what that does is that starts to silence women and people of color and queer folks who actually want to make some kind of real change in not only games and the games industry, but the games community that surrounds games. Um, and that's disturbing. And that's disturbing, but that's a whole different, that's a, like I said, there's a different kind of power behind these voices now. Um, Mm. And, you know, I could, you know, wax poetic and talk about why I think this power is different in 2018 than it was in, you know, 2010. Um, But it's different. It's a different kind of power.
1: Well, so it's a different power than people had in 2016 yes um, if you know or, or mm-hmm. at least at least before November 3rd or 6th <laughs> 2016 um, <laughs> it's you know uh, and you gotta speak you gotta stop speaking uh, t- so much truth to power right now Sam because uh, some white person may come along our twitch stream and call the cops on us yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. come on now. okay wait wait wait
4: are you trying to say that ain't never happened to you before because that's happened to me before <laughs> wait a minute Uh-oh, yeah. while
1: while like podcasting slash streaming
4: um uh, while actively doing it no but yeah it's Uh-oh. happened to me before
2: oh oh do you mean okay. in terms was of like swatting, swatting, swatting stuff yes or like oh, oh you've
1: been swatted Jesus mm-hmm. Some of my really Whoa. wow that's wow.
0: madness that's no yeah. joke. People
4: get yeah. mad, mad at, at me. You're okay. They get mad at me.
0: <laughs> I, mean, what, I mean, I mean, I <laughs> mean.
3: Well, well,
0: It's not. Yeah, I guess. It's not there's, there's no reason. Right. There's no reasonable reason for swatting anyone. Right. But the first thing that I, that I thought, I was like, "What did you say?" <laughs> I was like, "What you right. do?" Oh yeah, um, I have man, a, I have a real watch. ability
4: to piss people off. Apparently, yeah.
0: <laughs> but I, but I, I, and I bet you I bet you it's I bet you all it all you did was tell truth.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but, they get they get mad.
1: Yeah. Truth hurts a lot more than a lie, man. The truth, <laughs> yeah. the truth cuts to the bone. A lie yeah. you can brush off. Um, yeah. you know, on on to uh, better topics. So you you are a self proclaimed passionate gamer what uh, when you close your eyes and you think about your love for games what are the top 3 games that come into your brain
4: oh gosh um top 3 games coming into my brain when i close my eyes um all right so i'm going to try to pick games from three different genres um okay. if i have to pick 3 games i'm going to say the longest journey mm. Uh, mm. which is a point click adventure game yeah um I will say a game that's recently kind of really stuck with me and hit me hard, Mafia 3.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, blackest up. a game ever made.
4: Yeah, it was Black as hell, wasn't it? Uh and um uh, oh, what's my, what's gonna be my third one? Um see I didn't use up the first two, and I'm like, this gotta make this yes. one good. got
2: this <laughs> <one> good. Uh, Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Nino course. Cooney. Mm. Ah. That's a good pick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, I like appreciate you trying to pick it from different genres because I always struggle with those questions because I'm like, do I just answer like three Zelda games? Cause I really like Zelda <laughs> a lot, you know, like, like you gotta try to like, you know, take some from here and there. So I, I like how you kind of like really picked from various things. That was cool.
0: I had, a, I had a quick question. I want, I want to bring it back to the streaming and the podcasting really fast. Mm-hmm. One of the thing, one of the things I love that you all do is you all stream and do uh, uh, events for uh, hard charities. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that you all do that, uh, and you and you all have been doing charity work for a long time. Since let me see, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back on the page right now and look. Okay. Since like 2015, you've all been doing your various uh, kinds of charity events. How has it been? First of all, how hard is it to raise funds for? the not conventional versions <laughs> of charities right. i know i know we struggle with it right. doing small for good i know when y'all are doing stuff it's like it's I, t- please tell people at home just how hard it is <laughs> when you're asking people for money for stuff that is not the usual stuff.
4: Okay, you ain't never lied. Okay, so we've been doing, <laughs> we've been doing charity stuff. So twenty fifteen was the year was the year we started doing gaming for good, right? Which is when mm-hmm. we said we're gonna break, or we said we're gonna break outside of the norm, and we're not gonna do kind of the the traditional charities that people raise money for when they play in games.
2: Right. Um,
4: before that, we had spent years. Um, Probably since before. Well, yeah, since since the beginning, right? Um, raising money for stuff like Extra Life and doing the Extra Life Marathon every year. Uh, and 2015 was the year that I was like, you know what? There's a lot of shit going on in the world that is <laughs> not, you know, that we're not raising money for. Now, when we were raising money for Extra Life, we would get an Extra Life team together. We'd raise four, six, eight, ten thousand um, dollars. That's dope. At, at, you know at a time but we'd have a larger team right um mm-hmm. when we started we started raising money for some of these smaller charities right you know stuff like uh legal defense for immigration right, right. stuff like um uh suicide hotlines for queer folks um yeah. stuff you know stuff you know that was you know how to you know how to reintegrate veterans into society when they're struggling right So when we started doing stuff that that people that, you know, you can't dress up um, and it's it's not just, you know, not just not just right. Cute children. um, It it got Mm -hmm. hard. Right. Mm -hmm. We we struggle to raise a couple thousand dollars sometimes. uh, Most times. Right. Right. Um, But for me bringing awareness to these causes and bringing awareness to these charities has been super important because it also has given us an opportunity to talk to folks about how important some of these causes are. Um, and we Mm. choose causes that are, that are near and dear to us. Right. Um, not, you know, not the extra life, you know, wasn't right. Because it was, it was children's miracle network hospitals. Um, my daughter, uh, had treatment at a children's miracle network hospital when she was born. Um, Mm. so that was, you know, always something that was important, but there are all these other charities as well that just kind of get ignored because, you know, it's like stuff people are ashamed to talk about, right. Or scared to talk about. Um, you know, because I was I was I was our last event was for uh raising money for legal defense um for children, right, who've been separated from their parents, shall we say, kidnapped, um <laughs> at the right. border. Right? right. Um and I'm like, oh, we're gonna catch all kinds of shit about this. Uh <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it, they're important charities. And and that's been just as important to me um as anything else and, and bringing awareness to some of these causes um, has been has been super, super important.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's it's dope. I I applaud you all because we're in that struggle too, yeah. of trying to figure out how to how to. It's weird because you don't want to. And this is going to sound terrible, cause, but, I, but I can't find the words because it's been a long day. I can't find eloquent words for it. But it's like you don't want to crap on the stuff that's already happening in those spaces. Right. Like, Extra Life is a great charity, and, like, of course, you want to support people who are, like, supporting sick children and and, and all that stuff. Right. But it is that, like, weird epiphany where you're just, like, there are so many other organizations that really, really don't get any funding. Yeah. Right. That don't get any extra money from nowhere else. And -hmm. they're, like, doing a lot of dope work, and gaming gaming folks just don't want to touch it because it feels like it's political and it's kind of dirty in some weird way. Mm Mm-hmm
1: give me I, your I don't know give how... me your politics <laughs> yeah it's
0: we, it's weird though right because it's like again like the, the stuff that you're all doing it it absolutely has a political twinge to it because it kind of has to and it's so much more difficult to kind of raise funds and awareness for that stuff have you figured out any other tactics and kind of ways that you want to frame things for people when it comes to the fact that you are a podcast and and, and writing about all these political issues that are that are connected to the games that we play have, have you figured out ways to kind of Give people the medicine you know give give them the stuff they need in in the medicine that they that they actually need
4: <laughs> dang you make it sound like you like the medicine um
0: <laughs> but it's good though I mean it's good medicine right you know
4: it's good medicine it's good medicine you know so the the thing has been um even like from the beginning on the podcast on the blog even in even in my more quote unquote official scholarship, I've always tried to. Um, make my work accessible to folks outside of academia. Right? Mm. Um, Like, we were talking about Mafia 3. Um, I've I've talked a lot about Mafia 3. I've written a lot about Mafia 3. Um, I've published in academic venues about Mafia 3, but it's not, you know, it it has to be tied to something else, right? So we're talking about Mafia Three, talking about like connections to uh, to representation of right life of life in that whole Louisiana Mississippi uh, basin, right. Um, that we see in literature, but then I tie it to stuff like music, right? So I'm Mm -hmm. tying it to not only the music that we're, that we're listening to, um, when we play the game, but also music that, um, kind of harkens back to that same feeling, that same tone, um, in Mm -hmm. contemporary times. So, you know, like the, I, I published a piece in an academic journal that was talking about mafia three, Octa balls and Beyonce.
3: Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome.
2: Uh, they can, I, like... can that be
0: a t shirt? Right. <laughs> can that be like the, the, the like Emmett? The like unlike shirts for all the black people who died. You just lay, lay like all that stuff down on a shirt and you just like, all
3: <laughs>
4: I mean, but oh that's God. that's the work that I'm doing because I feel like this is my life's work and my Mm -hmm. life's work needs to my life's work needs to make some kind of change in order for it to be important for me like i said i'm the child Mm. of an activist from the 60s and 70s right um you know my mother my mother ran a women and children's clinic on the east side of detroit in the 60s and in the 70s um so, you know, here we're talking about, you know, not only women's rights, but we're also we're also talking about a very specifically raced and classed group of women. Um mm. and and so it it feels disingenuous to me to to not pay some kind of homage to that in my own work. Right. Right? Cuz that's the way I was raised.
0: Word. That's that. It makes sense. It makes so much sense. Like, you can see the lineage just kind of going through the work right now. It's just like, anytime you all drop a a thing, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) That totally makes sense. Uh, What makes sense for us as well is to take a quick break. We have some more stuff on the back end of episode 245. Everybody chill out in the chat. Everybody chill out in podcast land and Twitch land, and we'll be right back after this.
4: What up, Bricago? We are the crew of The Optional Podcast, coming
0: to you each week from New York City, where we host a show all about the latest in video games and entertainment. Our show is for everybody looking for a fresh new take on gaming culture and how it intersects with movies, music, anime,
2: food, and whatever else we love. Check us out at TheOptionalPodcast.com. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, and all major podcast services. This isn't your typical gaming podcast. This is video game commentary for the rest of us. What's good, Internet? This is Austin Walker, a.k.a. Professor Killer, a.k.a. David Foster Flawless, a.k.a. Bars Von Trier. You already know what it is. And since you do, you should also already know that Spawn on Me keeps it real when it comes to games, culture, and holding it down even when the world is on fire. Welcome to Procogno, y'all.
0: Welcome back to the Spawn of Me podcast, episode 245 of our show. Chilling, chilling, chilling. We are rocking with Samantha Blackman from Not Your Mama's Gamer. Hanging out, doing our thing. Um, I want to dig into a little bit of news of the week uh, as we close out the rest of this show. Um, There's a couple of really good articles that came out and some good stories that I want to dig into. First of all, uh, all the folks over at Hello Games have been doing a lot of work in the past couple months they've been doing stuff in the past actually like past year or so to kind of revamp and give some love to their game no man's sky uh, that came out to as everyone knows the not best of uh, of launches uh, and came out with a lot of um, angry folks who were not excited about the actual game and what they were offered but I will say in the way that, uh, the division and for honor, and, um, there's a couple of uh, warframe, they have come back with some really cool stuff and it feels like now they are ready to kind of hit the level that they would have probably launched with. If they had get, had been given the time, they have a new, uh, trailer that's out and they have a new, um, uh, uh, update that's going to be happening next week. Uh, where they have multiplayer in the game, stuff that they wanted to get done. Uh, They're going to do a whole bunch of um, space fleets and all that kind of stuff. I'm excited for the update. It's going to be Next Man... Next Man? (laughs) No Man's Sky Next is what it's going to be called. And it's finally going to be launching on the Xbox system. Next, I'm excited for... Next man's sky. (laughs) Uh, that sounds like something that happens when you get, you come home from the, from the club and you drunk. (laughs) Say, man, I got that next man's sky, man. I thought I had all the, all the stuff. Um, is anybody else excited for this game besides me? I'm kind of I'm kind of excited for it. I'm I'm waiting to dig back into this game. I'm mm-hmm. gonna go to C first. C, what do you, what do you think about No Man's Sky next being a thing? Well, especially because now that you're an Xbox player, you'll be able to play it.
1: Right. Well, I mean, we talked about we talked about your man in them skies. Um, you know, if they come <laughs> out with that joint with like you know you get the bubble goose and the and the Tim's the Tim's pack. Uh, costume pack, then maybe I'll be excited about it. And, and it's not, I've, I'm not throwing shade on it at all. Um, I'm not excited about it. And the reason I'm not excited about it again is because my space exploration game, my time wasting space sci fi game is uh, Elite Dangerous, which just had another update. So, um, what, what it's, sh- what I think this news is showing is, um, and and we've we've talked about some other things that have that have come out with 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 games over the last year and 18 months is is we're showing that the game designers and and games companies and publishers are becoming more receptive to the idea of games as a service um mm-hmm. these you know these games are built to have you know almost never ending tales And and the game that you buy today, hopefully, is just a a a less mature version of the game of that same title that you're playing 18 months, 24 months, 36 months from now. Uh, And uh, you can be proud that or or, you know, and you can you can take the time to reflect back to. Oh, remember what it was like when and and look at the game and say, oh, wow, they've really given it the time to mature uh, now that it's out in the wild and and uh, really become the thing that they they kind of tried to envision hmm. or even more than that.
0: Yeah. Reef, what are your thoughts about No Man's Sky getting an update, a huge update and, and kind of re-flourishing in, in the space that they, they kind of helped to create?
2: I, I agree with C on the games as a service point, though I don't agree with it at a $60 price point. That's, that's normally the problem that I've had with even games like Destiny and such where that they've kind of slowly built up, is I think the expectation when you drop the full price on a game is that it is complete and that everything else is sort of like cherries on top. Whereas Mm -hmm. what you see with No Man's Sky and this game and even games like The Division and, you know, and like For Honor is that the extra stuff isn't cherries on top. The extra stuff is like fixing major, major, major issues or like adding major, major parts that were considered like either fundamentally broken or stuff that like people, you know, felt like um, probably would have probably screamed about it, but would have. Accepted a delay of the game before it came out to to go in in there. Um, with that said, uh, I'm I wouldn't say I'm super duper excited about this, um, but I'm hoping that it puts No Man's Sky back in my rotation because when No Man's Sky first came out, it was the perfect like before bed game or the mm. perfect like just throw in for an hour and just zone out game. Um, And that did wear on me a bit because if you did it for a little while, you started to see like the similarities and and sort of like the, uh, you know, the uh, sameness of the Mm -hmm. aliens and the worlds. Um, Now, with the last update, they change a lot of that um, to make it a little more interesting. And with this one, it's it's a even larger one. So, you know, it's I feel like if you have an expectation that it's just kind of a Minecraft, you go and chill out. And now you have the opportunity to chill out plus talk shit with your friends. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think if, with that expectation, I think that it will deliver on what, uh, you know, on what like Hello Games wanted in the first place, which is sort of the complete ob- opposite of the several years of E3 marketing that you saw for <laughs> it, you know, where like people were expecting in like an Elite Dangerous or like the equivalent of like a star trek or star wars kind of like you know uh game so you know so the first time
0: i'm gonna tweet i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna quote someone who's actually already on the show via a tweet that they said earlier in the day said by sharif jackson of sharifjackson.com he says i love hearing about the resurgence of games like the division of no man's sky this is this proves the narrative that games have to be either wild successes from the start or absolute failures I love that tweet because I feel like that is the that is the kind of thing that we're seeing right now. Right. It's like we have a whole bunch of games that are kind of coming into the space and it feels like we're going to talk about it with the next story that we do about games that come out the at the gate and don't really do well. Uh, it, it's it's hard to see how games are going to kind of make that turnaround once they once they make a bad push. Um, Samantha, what are your thoughts about No Man's Sky in general and also. Uh, What do you think about the update that's coming out?
4: So I played uh, No Man's Sky when it first came out. Um, And when I'm super excited about a game, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll uh, like go media dark on it. So I didn't have uh, some of the same expectations that other folks had when No Man's Sky came out. So when it came Mm. out and it was really kind of a, you know. Like like Sharif said, it was kind of a, a a chill out experience, right? It was something I would play when I just wanted to chill and I was like, I'm gonna put up some music, I'm gonna have a drink, I'm gonna sit here and play this game and I'm gonna float around in space and I'm gonna go around and collect stuff and do stuff. And I really enjoyed it uh when I thought about it that way, but I didn't have the same expectations that other people had, uh, because I didn't I didn't get the same promises. Because I wasn't listening to the same, I wasn't listening to the same kind of marketing about the game that other folks was. Um, so that was a, that was a whole lot better for me. Now, that being said, I'm I'm kind of excited about the update. Um. The, you know, No Man's Sky Next, the way I'm understanding it is the update is going to be free on PlayStation, but, you know, you have to buy, if you're going to play it on a different console, um, you're going to buy a new copy. And I will actually, you know, I hate to say this, but I will probably buy, um, uh, or otherwise procure a copy of uh, <laughs> <laughs> just making it sound like I'm about to walk into Best Buy and lift a copy
1: uh, uh, you don't need that let right. me hold that for you no my brother you gotta get your own <laughs> uh, but
4: I'm, I'm probably gonna get a copy uh, a Xbox copy because you know most of my uh, most of the folks that I game with on a regular basis um, are playing on Xbox and I want to play the multiplayer um, right. I want to mm. play the. Uh, you know that is that that you know being able to talk shit with your friends while you explore mm-hmm. space. Um, uh, that kind of thing is what I'm really looking forward to. Now, um, that being said, right when we start looking at you know companies who are that are uh, releasing DLC, right to make the game what it should have been, what it should have been when it first came out. Um, you know I think companies are doing this because you can't hit a sixty dollar price point for ten years. And have right. and have the same quality game, um
1: unless you're rock star
4: unless you're rock star right um yeah. but but they don't want to raise the price of games, you know what I'd yeah. rather go ahead and pay sixty nine ninety nine instead of fifty nine ninety nine or seventy nine ninety nine instead of fifty nine ninety nine and not have to buy you know three different uh, either a season pass or three different d l c packages over the course of the next eighteen months, so
1: Yeah. So, man, I so I understand. I understand the the logic behind that sentiment. I really do. Um, The problem with it is if you think for a second that the prices of of the title will raise to eighty dollars or seventy dollars or even ninety dollars, And they still won't charge you for DLC. (laughs) You're absolutely bananas. You know, I mean that's it's it's just not happening. But but to be fair, and you know, and we have got a point. We've got to paint both sides uh, of of this of this argument right now. We're 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 talking about No Man's Sky, and we're talking about Elite Dangerous, uh, the division the division and and uh, Firana. Most of the DLC that has released for these games has been included with the purchase price. So, Reef, uh, so Ka spent 60 bucks. If I were to buy No Man's Sky on the Xbox when it releases, I'd pay the same price, um, uh, and if you account for inflation, less than Ka did when he purchased No Man's Sky to get a much more full game. Uh, and, and you know yeah. a, a much fuller experience uh elite dangerous had one update that was it was like 40 bucks uh the game the game like i said has been out for three years it was 40 bucks and they have they have done like seven updates in between that time and there are portions of the game like you can still only buy the game and still experience all of the most of the stuff from the updates but if you don't get the horizons dlc there are certain parts that are are locked away but if i can play this game for five years and all i spent is 90 dollars i'm good Mm -hmm. i'm good um so and you know the division has been free um outside of their season pass so um so like there there is a mixture of both in there um and i think that I think that uh, manufacturers or publishers get excoriated a little too, a little too easily um, about the DLC, uh, the, about their DLC culture of the past. I think they've gotten much better about that as they've started to embrace this games as a service culture uh, that we're currently in.
0: Yeah. On the flip side of that, we see the folks over at Xaviant who just put out literally last week. The sequel to their game, The Culling, Mm -hmm. called The Culling 2. What an original name. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, To basically no one. Hardly (laughs) anyone played the game. At the time of launch, more people playing the first game than the actual new sequel that just came out. Um, So much so that the company decided a week later after launch... To pull the entire project out of existence. Wow! They literally have pulled the game, and they're calling up all the all the kind of store owners, Sony and, and Xbox and Steam, and saying, basically, yo, you got to pull this joint because it's making us look bad. We put out a bad a bad game. Um, one of the uh, folks, uh, Van Van Veeld, uh, from the studio, I'm, I'm believing that he is the director on the game. Uh, He said, it's been difficult for us to wrap our heads around the entire situation. He said, the Culling 2 was not a game that you asked for, and it's not the game you expect as a worthy successor to the Culling. Weirdly enough, there's a couple of things that I'm thinking of. First of all, who the hell wanted a Culling 2? (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember Culling 1 being the game that everyone was like, yo, mom, can you get me the Culling game? (laughs) Like, can you put down them ducats so I can get the Culling game? 2... I've I've never seen something like this happen before in the gaming industry. I haven't seen a game like even Radical Heights didn't do this badly when it came right. out. Like Radical Heights from uh, Boss Key, not defunct Boss Key, did at least a couple of weeks where it was doing right. OK. Yeah. And then it kind of folded. Um, I've not seen this before. Has has anybody else in the, in the in the crew seen this happen before? Reef.
2: I mean, I've seen it when uh, games have been super buggy, like with Batman: Arkham Knight on the PC, right. where where Warner mm. Brothers pulled it off of Steam for months, um, you know, because it was just in an unplayable state. So when I first heard about this, I thought that's what happened.
3: Yeah. But me too. as
2: far as I'm see it, it's not unplayable. It's just that it just sold very poorly. Like, did you see anything that said it had some game-breaking bugs or something? Because otherwise, yeah, I've never seen someone pull something because of like week one performance like that. I I heard that the
1: graphics looked a little muddy.
2: Yeah, but that's not like yeah, 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 but yeah, that's not right. Yeah, yeah, like it wasn't like my game keeps crashing or I can't, you know, do this kind of thing. Like it was with Arkham Knight, you know. right right,
0: right. i've never i've never seen a game get pulled before i'm able to get a review copy for (laughs) (laughs) i put it for a review copy and then the day after they were like yeah we pulling this shit off the store (laughs) it's crazy uh samantha what what are your thoughts about the culling too, and and getting pulled as soon as it came out basically
4: that that was that was amazing uh it was it was interesting when the game came out i was like and that was my big question is like who played the culling? Um, right. So, you know, what made them go, let's, let's, let's make another one. Um, yeah, there, but there've been, there've been lots of games that were, that were like horribly broken at launch. Um, and you know, folks patched them or, you know, apologize profusely or whatever they were going to do, but to ever see them like just literally snatch it off the shelves and be like, Nope, you can't even buy this yeah. anymore. Uh, was a totally new thing
0: this is this is like the the battle royale version of pt yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh my god see what are are your thoughts real quick before you?
1: uh man listen i wasn't checking for the game it is wild i've never heard of anything like this happening uh for a game that was technically fine um the only time i've heard about this is when you know people find out that a game is missed uh misrated uh, it, you know, oh, if it an yeah. M that that you know All right. they discover yeah. should be an A O or something like that, and they have yeah, to pull like, it, like San Andreas or something, San Andreas, yeah. Uh, um, or uh, you know, I mean, but that was that was almost a year into um, or months into uh, the game before people realized the about hot coffee. Yeah, that um, was a long
2: time. They, ago. <laughs> yeah, Man, the, yeah,
1: but then, but then, uh, there you know there were a couple of games that were going to be released on Steam. That were you know days away from being released, and then because of protests about the content of the game, the game was was uh, later denied access to the store. Um, but yeah, this is a weird thing. I, I man, look, I, I guess they they believe that they had something they still had stuff ideas left on the table that they wanted to put out into that game world they were really passionate about the game world uh and uh that you know they spent time and energy to build that game and and did and never bothered to ask if anybody wanted that outside of the studio and the answer mm. was a resounding no <laughs> it was like nah man nah, nah, not that. really son. Just <laughs>
2: sad because yeah. i feel like so many people are going to lose their jobs Cause like yeah, it's so true. expensive to make market and launch a game mm-hmm. that to, just... well, here's, well,
0: here's the thing though. They Damn. they decided that they were going to basically put all the efforts that they were putting into the calling Two back into the calling one because that one did. Okay. Um, so they're going to kind of, I'm hoping that people didn't, I wouldn't, they didn't ramp up development and, 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 uh, personnel to get calling two together and now I can totally see how that being a problem. But
1: Yo, like, shout out, shout question. out to Kwanzaa Tim in the stream because he did bring up one Afro Samurai, Afro Samurai, oh, I didn't but know Afro that. Samurai was technically terrible. Like <laughs> it was, it was so like I think even even the cats and you know and and shout out to them because they were out there trying to do it. It was uh, a black studio that was out there, you know, trying trying to make a passion oh, yeah. product. Um, but but it was objectively bad. Like it was just, it wasn't rough around the edges. The edges were rough. Like all of that <laughs> shit was just, it was just, it was just, you know. And and it, it was sad. Like people just really felt bad about it too. And you know, so they they probably poured poured some out when they were pulling that off the shelves. But they had to because it was garbage.
0: Yeah. Real real quick before we move over to the last story of the of, of the show. Is this a commentary on the Battle Royale space of like basically you ain't getting in because Fortnite is taking over? What what? I'll go I'll go to I said basically you're not getting in to the Battle Royale uh, space because Fortnite is basically uh, up all the, no, all the space.
1: No. No, I no cuz you know it ebbs and flows. Um because you know I think later on this year we're going to have we're going to wind up having a conversation about NBA basketball and NBA basketball video games. And I have a sense that the tide is turning yet again. NBA so, Battle Royale. You know,
2: yeah, well Yeah, yeah,
1: this is gonna be yeah, uh NBA Battle Royale. Um well <laughs> what I'm saying is so there are there are games there there are you know, there are flashes in the pan, there are, are uh uh you know uh hot things in games and, and uh hot genres and and hot games in that genre for for a time and then it dies down a little or somebody does something different in the space that people gravitate towards and you know right now this space has really been occupied mostly or most specifically by two games so you know one game offered you know both games offer the same thing but in very different ways and if some other games we've got battlefield we've got call of duty some really big publishers that are coming out with battle Royale mm-hmm. the there is an opportunity for them to present the same thing in in a in a way that it that really appeals to gamers in a very different way. And we can't predict that the genre is stale or the genre is done because they're they've got a champion. You're never the champion forever, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I yeah. wanna
0: say that the only basketball battle royale game to have ever been made was Arch Rivals. That is that game.
1: <laughs> Facts. It was
2: yeah I mean yeah there's like plenty of space I mean I don't think this says much about the I guess you can call it a genre I mean it's really a two game thing but you know like uh, Realm Royale uh, you know the old Paladins game has gotten some uh, buzz because of it's kind of like mechanics and stuff Um, I think there's a lot of niches that you can fill as long as you don't set your expectations like we got to dethrone Fortnite to profit you know what i'm saying like right. yeah yeah like like there's like plenty of space for like smaller games with more modest goals and ideas that aren't currently done um you know in the Fortnites and the in the pubg's i think there's plenty of room for that i think this was just a game that didn't offer anything and no probably should have never came out
0: Damn. Off with their heads again from Reef. Damn. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, last story of the night and for episode 245 is one talking about the king of the hill when it comes to battle royale games, Fortnite. Um, and a really dope article uh, that stemmed from some conversations happening on Twitter, as per usual. Um, Sharky over from Thumb- uh, Thumbstick Mafia crew. Uh, mad shout out to them and massive love to them. Um, There was a conversation that so sparked maybe two weeks ago or so in which um, I saw the first kind of conversation coming from Malik uh, Forte um, talking about how um, Fortnite is implementing more emotes. They implement emotes pretty much every week and and throw in new ones. A lot of them, if you are are not familiar, have lots of dances that come from popular culture, Uh, many of them coming from hip hop culture. Um and there was a new one that got put out, uh, called the Swipe. So the Swipe is literally the Millie Rock
1: right dance.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and you know Malik kind of brought that up uh, uh, on his feed. And he was like, "Yo, yeah, I really wish that you know two Millie would would get some credit for kind of originating the dance and and bringing it to the popular popular culture." A couple days later, or or a day later, chance the rapper jumped on the conversation and it had the same sentiment. Um, so Sharky wrote this fantastic post, um, that's called "Fortnite dance emotes. Epic should do better. Um, where she kind of lays out the, the the conversation about how Epic should be giving folks who have helped to kind of popularize and, and, and make these dances deserve some form of, um, attribute, uh, uh, I can't say the word today Uh, to attribute those dances to those people in some form or fashion within the game. Um, And it's an interesting conversation on a lot of different levels, right? Um, The sentiment about, you know, just giving credit where credit is due. uh, The conversation about uh, the continuing of black culture being kind of taken from and borrowed from without giving credit um and there's some other you know you know layers to that conversation as well. I want to go around the table and I want to want to start off with Samantha cuz I think um being an ap- academic and having um had I'm sure some of these conversations in other forums um I would love to get your take on what you think about the kind of uh, need to kind of give credit where credit is due in this space. Uh,
4: yeah, when I saw this conversation start happening on Twitter, I was like, oh yeah, well I mean, come on, we, we we're used to this, right? Not, not that we're used to it and it shouldn't change, right? But right. but the the mis the misappropriation of black culture is something we've seen forever, right? <laughs> um, it is it is what gets taken from us and never attributed to us. Um, and yeah, I mean, why not, right? You have you have okay. I'm in the middle of I'm in the middle of central Indiana, um, and I see you know every farm bred white child. Uh, in central Indiana doing, <laughs> uh, doing, doing, you know, quote, quote unquote Fortnite dances. Right? Um, right. Ooh, right. And not understanding anything about like where the, where the dances come from anything about, you know, and they're, they're like, they're like, Oh, hip hop. And I'm like, you don't even understand what hip hop is. Come on. Uh, so, but they have these, they have these, this lack Of understanding. That's what I should say. I Mm. don't want to say understandings. They don't have an understanding. Um, and Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's time to start attributing some of that to the folks, um, to the folks who create these things, who create the music, who create the dances, who create the culture that is being misappropriated by games, by folks, by films, by, by, you know, everything and everyone. Um, yeah. And you know, and, and, you know, to, to use the, to use the famous phrase, fuck you pay me. Right. (laughs) <laughs> People
0: need to be paid for their work. So, yeah. Word. Word. I yeah, see uh, what, I'm sorry, Reef, go on ahead.
2: Yeah, I think the question is, like, what method should the, should you attribute, like, 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 how can that work? So I know that, for example, when you see these, like, stupid commercials that use some random, like, hip-hop track in it, you know, they actually got to pay to get that track and all that stuff. So right. it's kind of right. obvious there. Um, I, I saw some chatter of people saying, well, just include a sample of the song, you know, like, uh, license the rights to, you know, the the song Mm -hmm. that features the dance, just like, you know, any commercial or TV show Mm -hmm. like I would do. Um, I could see that getting a little expensive. I mean, I think that like, that would be cool, but I feel like at the very least, like just link out like, right. Like just like have some way to instantly click and like either either buy the song or, or something like that, you know? Um, because I think it should be a little more than saying this is from this. There should actually be some sort of revenue model where either like, as, as I said, Epic is paying the license, the actual songs or parts of the songs, or they're providing like an easy mechanism to um, financially support, you know, um, these like, artists that are you know adding to popular culture i mean i agree with the f you pay me thing i think it would be dope if like they had one of those options or like maybe there's a better option out there that like i'm not thinking about um so see,
0: see what, what are your do? thoughts on that
1: um you know before before reef started talking i was i was thinking about you know what is a viable solution and that that is a viable solution uh where they where they Take enough of the sample of the song so that they actually have to pay licensing fees to uh, the people that have largely been credited. Uh, you know that the that the streets um, will will acknowledge are the people that are, are the progenitors of the dance craze or, or you know whatever it, whatever it is. Um, but but my real question is, what's Epic's incentive to do so? Um, you know they they. They're making money hand over fist because kids are going out and they're buying these stupid emotes. Um, You know, again, Uncle Cicero last week uh, (laughs) got to witness... (laughs) Uncle Cicero got to witness all three of his uh, niece and nephews um, doing these Fortnite dances, only one of whom actually knows what the game is and has played the game. Um, so and and they are you know these aren't siblings. So the the two, you know two of them two of them are don't have a game console. One does have a game console. They live close to each other but they don't hang out. So it's not like they've seen them outside of watching their friends do them and they're part of it's just part of the culture now it's part of the lexicon it's just part of yeah Mm -hmm. exactly it's part of the zeitgeist uh just like you know here we go i'm gonna date myself just like where's the beef um just like uh uh you know just like a a a subsection of kids spelled relief r-o-l-a-i-d-s um you know just (laughs) like what's up you know, like all of these, all of these things uh, become part of popular culture just because they're part. Like you know, they become just part of the zeitgeist because they just they become pervasive. And and what Epic has been able to do is has cap is has been to capitalize on that stuff and monetize that for themselves and. Yeah, that stuff came from somebody else, but they're they're able to monetize it. I mean, the same way that people are monetizing their IG feeds and their Snapchats and all the other stuff, as they're jumping out of their cars like fucking idiots to dance to that Drake song, because they're in their right. feelings, you know? So, like, are they, should they, at that point now, should they be given three cents of, of every five cents that they make back to Drake? Because they're clearly playing his song while they're dancing and driving, you know, and and kicking up their insurance because their insurance carrier now sees them (laughs) letting their car ride by itself. Um, You know, so like I I, morally, I agree with you, Reef. But the the capitalist in me, the Republican in me says, what's their incentive to to actually do that? What do
0: you mean by that? I'm I'm gonna jump in at the end and, and be not devil's advocate, but I'm kind of in the space that C is in because of a couple of things. Like one, I, I, from what I can tell from being a person who plays it often enough, I don't think any of the music that we see in either the save the world or the ones that go along with the emotes are licensed music. I think it's all original music that has influences from whatever the particular this kind of theme of the particular emote is. So I don't know if that's a thing where you can be like, yo, you owe me ass cap and BMI money. Like I don't think right. that's a thing that right. that's there. Um the influence part is where I have a little bit of trouble where I love the the conversation about if you pay me, because I feel like again, black culture gets gets borrowed from all the time. And there right. is this very rare, it's very rare where you see someone have the ability to kind of make money off of the thing that they've made, especially when it becomes something that gets pushed into popular culture, especially from black folk. The The thing that I do, the thing that I have trouble with is, and I saw this conversation happen maybe last year or maybe the year before that was, one in which we saw the conversation about like when viral things happen, do you get to monetize that thing in a way that that behooves you, but only after a bigger brand takes it? Right. Mm-hmm. So there was like the conversation about... um I think it was, I don't think it was a dance, but it was like a viral tweet or a hashtag. Like people were trying to monetize hashtags that got viral and, and all that kind of stuff. And my question to everybody here and at home is as much as I want people to prosper off the stuff that they make, is there just a level of like, you have to give it up to the universe. You know what I mean? Like there's a level of stuff where if you've made a thing, And it, you luckily got it into a place that got seen by a lot of people and it caught on. Right. Is there a level of that that just is like, yo, this just magic. Hey, it's just happenstance that it got big. And I shouldn't necessarily look to try to figure out a way to necessarily make money off that particular thing because it just got caught on by something else. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if, you know, like soldier boy has made money off of his dances I don't know if two Millie, when <laughs> he's when he, he's, when he, he made his he smoked all of that. Yeah, he smoked all of that. But I don't yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't knowledge. know if two Millie, when 2 Millie made his dance wherever he was right. at, right, was like, I wanna make money off this thing. He he did that thing because he was cause it was dope to him. And he gave right. it up to the universe, and the universe right. was like, Yo, that's dope. Yep. yep. And Epic was a part of the universe and was like, yep. yo, we got a game called Fortnite, and we going we gonna borrow that joint. Yeah. And we yeah, will make so, money off of it. Someone, yep. So
1: someone in the chat talked to, brought up two K. I'll bring up uh and they're right. Uh the, you know, I'll bring up Madden. Uh so there there are in in sports games, they borrow from the culture, they use their animators to borrow from the culture uh lib- very liberally. Um, and we don't seem to have a problem with that. And and in the case of two K, they definitely monetize your ability to use the culture. In your game, um, in 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 the form of emotes, celebrations, what have you, um, and we don't seem to mind it because those games are more closely associated to the culture. But um, could you
0: also? But could you also be like, yo, I just did the Cicero dance, and now I need to patent the Cicero dance. And if you right, don't right, patent right. the no, Cicero I dance, no, I can't.
1: I can't. I, I agree with you hundred percent. I put it out in the universe, yo. Uh, Two dances from again. I'm you know I'm playing. It's as Uncle Cicero comes coming back because I'm gonna be an old man. But but uh, who made the Pee Wee Herman song? The brand new dance called the Pee Wee Herman. Right. Right. Who who made the WAP song?
0: Right. You
1: know what I'm saying? Like right. we know what they are. We know those dances. Right. Easy. But I couldn't so- tell you who who the person was. Now back then I might have been able to tell you who it was and give them props for that but you know and again in in three years three four years kids are gonna be doing something else and nobody's gonna even think about these people so like i understand the the thought behind like yo the cultural appropriation is real it's time like you know now that we have the technology out there and we have the means to do so we should give the people the creators their due but they're not gonna get it because the big bad corporations aren't incentivized to do that. And it just it, you know, I mean let's be honest, it doesn't make any sense because they you know, they spend the time to make their they make their money on the stuff and then they move on to something else. Right.
2: You could say that about anything a company does. Yep. Like yep. I don't think that's a will. valid argument to use for this. Like they they could like 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 they're like we're we're not talk Like I don't think the conversation should be about what they can do, because a company doesn't have to do half the things that they do, right? But they make a stance yeah. and do it. Um, you Some know, for very was,
1: very very rarely. Most of the well, time, a company would make a stance, and this is you know uh, we're 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 treading in the philosophical debate area right now. But so most crazy. of the, most of the things, most of the things that companies do, there is a rationale behind there. There is a a a thing that they get out of it and not just the goodness of their hearts because they have no hearts. They're not people. Corporations are not people, people.
0: Here's the one thing that I will say that they have done already uh, in terms of giving uh, attribution to, uh, to the folks who have kind of like helped the, the Fortnite culture grow. Um, Ninja has a, uh, a pickaxe that's not named specifically after him, but it is, in reference to something that he might have said or done, it's called the plunger. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like a plunger with a, with a katana kind of run through it. Um, CDN the third, um, he has a a literal emote in it of, of one of the emotes that he has in his, in his Twitch channel. Um, And it has a blurb of, of, you know, about something that he might've said or something that he says often in his, in his stream. I feel like there are things that they can do in terms of that, that give the folks, um, some due or credit. I just don't know if you getting that due or credit should automatically deserve some kind of monetary compensation. That's the part that I I don't, I don't necessarily think is the connective tissue that I think is real. Like, I think that you give that stuff up unless again, unless like you're going into that in in a business sense and being like, I am literally, this thing is going to be popping. And I know it's going to be popping. So right. let me patent it or copyright it or put it into some form or fashion in that way. Right. right. Like, if Pat you can Riley. do that, if you have that forethought right. then you can do that, I think that that's smart and you should. Pat then Riley. you can totally bring up a thing and do right. that and do that with the ahead, Yeah. Read. So
2: it's just a link, guys. It's just a link. That's all I'm saying. Just a link. Yeah.
1: yeah I mean, I understand. I understand deal. what you're saying. Just a link. I understand what you're saying. Pat no, Riley. No, I, Pat Riley patented three P. He also patented forward. Um, so anytime someone has a T shirt that says three P on it, uh Pat Riley gets a penny and a half. Really? Um yeah, I Yeah. did yeah, yeah, he yeah. did patent it. Um and point forward, So wow. uh so uh, additionally, um this is you know, little known stubby stand fact. I really am the no bullshit, the first person ever to pop their collar. So oh um yeah, uh good time you know, to end Bob the show. Right. No, no. like, Thanks everybody. I, I, right. For, no, so I literally I literally am the first person ever to pop their collar. And then people started popping their collars. And and I get <laughs> no credit out of that. What? I'm just letting y'all know that that when what? people pop their collars, when that was hot for a minute, it came from your boy. It really did. It really did. I think your collar popped you. That's what happened. Hey, 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 I, you know, look. I See, and that's why you can't get money off of shit because people be looking at you like, yeah, whatever, son. Like, oh, hold on, here's a quarter to put in your coffee cup. Bracago, Go do your
0: dance. Bricago, of all... The Uncle Cicero shit that you heard on this show—that <laughs> <laughs> is, is some Uncle Cicero you shit, are fishy like right old black uncle there.
2: Now. Jeez, oh hell yeah, that is that is
0: definitely an awesome, dude. Like that. Shout out to Grand Bear who just rolled Son, into the. You hear right,
2: at like yeah. the cookout from your drunk from your drunk. Uncle. Hey, look at here! Look at here! here.
0: You don't time? know nothing about that, young come, buck. Come in, Cletus. You remember that time right. I invented ketchup?
3: Yeah.
1: Remember yo. that
0: time I stepped on a tomato? I stepped on a tomato real hard and invented ketchup. You remember that time? He's like, shut the fuck up! I was <laughs> popping them collars. Popping collars. Good I lord! I was this
1: popping is... collars. Oh, all right.
0: Anyway, we uh, any any last thoughts about kind of all this <laughs> stuff? So, I just Samantha. want to apologize
2: to uh, Samantha for uh, the last five minutes. Yeah, no, I feel, I feel, Yeah, I feel like I feel like that.
0: I feel like you screaming about how you popped your collars and put us back in, like ten years.
1: Yeah, back to when popping collars was stoked. Bro. <laughs>
0: Any any last thoughts on the on the whole Fortnite uh, debacle or, or any any other things you feel like Epic should do to kind of reconcile?
4: You know, um, I think recognition is a big thing, right? If you're not gonna pay folks, no. but you know, like you said, I mean, they're selling emotes, right? So they're they're getting paid for it, right? If it's a penny oh, per yeah. emote, right, or just like some kind of recognition, so that it goes outside of Fortnite, because in that case, you know, maybe it is, you know, like Shriek said, a link right that people can go and like buy a song or just learn more about someone and and go and buy something later whatever something i think it's just some, some kind of acknowledgement some kind of you know to to use the academic word some kind of citation is a, is yeah. is a good thing
3: mm-hmm. mm. yeah
0: we're agreed on that and i'm i'm hoping that epic doesn't brush this conversation off as something that's not necessarily worthy of you know internal discussion i know that the usual conversation when it comes to appropriation sometimes and when it comes to stuff like this sometimes gets blown out of proportion and sometimes you know gets pushed into like kind of un kind of unreasonable spaces but i do feel like there is an underlying conversation about this in terms of gaming and black culture specifically where we just don't see Uh, people who understand just how much black culture has contributed to and continues to contribute to gaming in, in general, which is the conversation that, you know, we, the reason where we have our podcast, the reason why not your mom's, (laughs) not your mom's gaming podcast is here so that we can share that information out with other, with other folks. So Um, Samantha, I know that uh, it's time for us to go. Um, Is there any dope stuff coming up uh, from you and the crew uh, that you want to share out and plug?
4: I was like, it's, it's summer. You know, we take it. We, we're like, we'll, we're not on hiatus, but we try to take it a little easy in the summertime. Uh, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Um, well, we're, like I said, we're always doing our gaming for good charity marathons. We do those quarterly. Um, so, you know, ch- check it out there and, and kind of hang wow. out with us and, and see when we're doing our next, uh, doing our next marathon. You can game with us. You can donate. You can hang out. you can do whatever you're going to do, uh, to help out some good causes. Um. You know, we're always streaming. I'm now a partner streamer on Mixer, so you can come hang out with me, yeah, uh, over on Mixer. Sweet. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's always there's always something going on. The best thing to do is just like check, you know, keep an eye on our Twitter, um, or or my Twitter, or the the site's Twitter, and, and see what's going on.
0: Dope, dope, dope. Uh, so before we get up out of here, see it's your turn. Yeah. tell yeah. everybody how how the social media business popped your collar,
1: <laughs> right. Um, if one is popping one's collar with uh, Bricago, they go to Twitter and they put in Spawn on Me. If they want to uh, reach us individually, check the bio. All of our information is right there. Uh, if you want to send us an email, uh, something that's a little bit longer, you can go to Spawn on Me podcast at gmail.com. For all the other social medias, find us on Spawn on Me. We are all there. We're there all the time. Uh, Check us out every Thursday, 7.30 Pacific, 10.30 Eastern, right here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash spawnonme to catch the live show. Uh, Even if there are technical problems, we will be here every Thursday. Gia. Gia. And uh, if you're not on Thursdays, every Tuesdays, we are on your favorite pie catcher. If it's a place where you can subscribe, please do so. Uh and rate and review tell your friends it really helps out. Uh please please do that as much as possible. Uh and if you want to go a little bit above and beyond, you want to check us out uh after you go to spawn you can go to patreon.com slash spawn on me and donate as little as a dollar a month to get our extra show Spawn on Me After Dark and help us keep the lights on and keep us going to conventions. Um, we really, really appreciate it and we will give you more.
0: Speaking about conventions, we have a dope, dope, dope announcement that we want to share with everyone in Berkago. You are... Pop your collar. If you are going to <laughs> if you are going to Pax West this year, you will get to hang out with your boys. Me, Cicero Holmes, at PAX, the first ever live recording of a Spawn on Me show in front of a live audience. We are going to be chilling with two of the dopest cats in the universe, in the gaming space. Blessing Adeoye, who's coming at us from OKBeast.com, the future of gaming. I'm telling you right now, those cats are the dopeness. They are super, super dope. Super cool. Go check out their stuff, okbeast.com. Okay, and our dude, our boy, our man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow, the man who rocks the power glove while playing Mario. It is Dave Hunt, aka Beep, 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 Grand Pooh Bear. Pooh Bear, Pooh Bear, Pooh Bear. Our dude who has been on our show two times, two times, two
1: times, two times, time,
0: time, two times. Yeah, time. He will be yeah. on the show again in live fashion. So that means yes. that you all need to come through and roll out. If you yes. are in the Seattle area, September 1st, 4.30, Sandworm Theater, hanging out. We are trying. We're hoping. We maybe pull another guest. I'm trying to figure out if we can snag someone else. Um, if there are folks that you want to suggest that we maybe go look at and, and go check out and see if we can get them on. I really want uh, a woman on the show to rock with us for our first yeah. um, our first panel, first live panel at PAX. Um, but for real, for real, this is like definitely a bucket list thing. And this is one of the right. goals that we wanted to set. Um, really early on in 2018, and now we're going to be able to do it with your help. So, right, uh, you um, know, all the money that you've helped to support us with on Patreon right. is helping to to, to figure out us figure out a way for us to get out there uh, and rep all of everyone in Chicago. And
1: we're going to be able to do it live. So, this is going to be dope. Yes. Uh, it's, so. It is going to it is going to be dope. And um, also for those people who are in the stream that are watching right now, um, in in real life, my nose is even bigger than it was in that picture. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. (laughs) Oh,
0: boy. Look at that. That is 1080p nostrils right there. That's what I'm talking about right
1: there. When I'm around, you need to hold your breath. I'm sucking up all the oxygen. I'm taking it. Oh,
0: I took this picture can, ten feet away, and his nostril sucked thoughts. me into it. I took this picture ten feet away, and his nostril sucked me
1: up, so that it was like right, a, right, it, was, right. it was a close up. Right, um, right. It but, was, but he they took the picture in 4K, but I sucked it up, and it's just 1080P. <laughs> so we're so again, we're super
0: excited at the fact that we're going to be able to do a live show with PAX. Uh, yeah. it's dope to be able to say that we had a panel at the sh- at the big show um, and it's going to be a lot of fun we want to bring the energy we want to bring the fun uh, at that show and we're going to have two dope guests uh, who you all know and should love so um, definitely uh, come and check us out next week uh, next week we will maybe have a guest I'm not sure yet we'll try to figure out who we might want to snag for that but until then we're going to get up out of here we're going to say peace for episode 245
1: peace y'all peace peace, peace.